Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Daryl McMullen, and I'm so glad that you are here with us today. Um, It is what? March 8th, 2021. Another crazy uh, Monday here in Southern California. Um, But I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, Before we jump in, I just wanted to review a Uh, a big deal here that we are talking about on the show. So we are knee deep into our 50th episode challenge. And so we've basically asked you to, if you're willing, uh, to write us a review on Apple Podcasts and we will send you free coffee. Yes, from now until the end of March, um, this is basically us partnering with you uh, to make the show a success and to make sure you're caffeinated, of course. So really, it's a win-win situation here. Uh, So if that is something that you want to do, head on over, write us a review, and then make sure to reach out to us. This is the important step two. Uh, Reach out to us at info at transcendhuman.com. And just let us know that you uh, left us a review. Uh, That way we have your info and we can get back with you um, with a Starbucks gift card. Uh, I wanted to thank Happy Happy Hippo for uh, giving us a review. But unfortunately, you haven't reached out yet, so we can't connect with you to get you your gift card. So if you can jump on over to your email and uh, just shoot us a little notification at info at transcendhuman.com, that would be awesome, and we'll get your gift card right out to you. All right, uh, let's move into our Minute of Transparency, uh, which I'm going to call this week Chasing My Rainbow. So right before, I believe it was second grade, uh, my parents moved us from the Chicagoland area to a little Wyoming town an hour or so from Yellowstone National Park. Uh, We lived in that little town called Powell for the next six or seven years. Uh, And during that time, we spent many of, of our weekends out in nature, hiking, camping, and basically just exploring. And at some point in that process, my dad decided that we all needed to learn how to fish. Now, there are many ways to fish, right? There's deep sea fishing off of a boat. There is uh, the kind of fishing that we see here in California where people stand along the piers and they fish. There's fly fishing. There's uh, fishing off of small boats on lakes and rivers. And then there's the fishing that we did. Now, I don't really have a name for it, but it basically worked like this. You would basically walk along a small mountain stream that was moving at a pretty quick pace. Um, And as you walked along the stream, you would climb over rocks and you would duck under overgrown trees until you found a still deep pocket of water, typically guarded by a large rock. Next, you would take out a pretty short fishing pole and you'd put a worm on the hook. Next, you would drop that hook into the still deep pool, giving it a slight tug every now and then just to keep things interesting. This went on for a while, sometimes even hours until eventually a curious fish took the bait and you yanked it out of its dark hiding place. So this was really my first experience with fishing, period. Uh, We had been at it most of the day and I had nothing to show for it. 
The day was coming to an end, the sun was going down, and we were headed back to the campsite when we came to a small makeshift bridge. My dad and I reached it first, and we decided to wait for the rest of the family to catch up. It looked like we might be there for a while, so I grabbed my pole and started to drop the hook into some of the dark areas under the bridge. All of a sudden, I felt a tug, which scared me a little. But I did what my dad said. I jerked the pole a bit to set the hook, and uh, after a little bit of fighting, a little bit of reeling, I was holding my first fish. Now, in the mountains, we had small fish we called brookies. And then there were a few types of trout. And the fish that I caught was a rainbow trout. It was a fairly big fish, and it was colorful, which made my first catch all the more special. I'm sure we went fishing again, but looking back, this is really my main memory, right? The time I caught the rainbow trout. Which brings us to our topic for today. This memory of a past event is a good one. I remember it, and a smile comes across my face. I think those were the good old days. But not all memories from our past are like this, right? Many are hidden away in the closets of our mind because they are not fun. They are sad or painful in some way. Bad things that we did or bad things that other people did to us. Bad situations that we were involved in. So how do we deal with these memories? How are we able to transcend our past? In this episode, we're going to talk about three things. First, your past can kill you. Two, focus on the present. And three, seeing the beginning from the end. Number one, your past can kill you. As humans, we're all tied to this thing, this concept, or this construct we call time. There is past, present, and future. Things begin, they exist, and eventually they end. And this is true for everything and everyone that exists on Earth. Except for plastic, of course. Uh, my daughter will tell you that plastic is created, it exists, and then it basically lives forever. Um, I love her environmentalist mindset. It definitely keeps me honest. Uh, but in truth, this cycle of life, if you want to call it that, is basically standard operating procedure on our little planet. Products are created, they exist, and then they fall apart break and are eventually disposed of or recycled. Natural things like plants and trees are planted, they grow, and eventually they return to the ground. And humans are no different, right? We are born, we grow, and eventually we die. So on this little ride we call life, at any given moment we have a past, we are in the present, and there is a future in front of us. Now, on the Transcend Human podcast, we typically deal with the present and the future, right? For example, we recently did an episode called Transcending Low Frustration Tolerance. We talked about how low frustration tolerance impacts us right here and now in the present. And we talked about ways to proactively prepare for low frustration tolerance in the future. The past was really just assumed. In other words, if you are struggling with low frustration tolerance right now in the present, there's a good chance it has been part of your past. But we don't typically focus on that because we no longer have control over the past. The only things that we can control are our thinking and our behaving right here and now in the present. And in so doing, we can impact our future. So why are we changing focus today on this episode? Well, because for some of us, the past isn't just the past. We have pulled the past into our present and it is dangerously close to ruining our future. 
Let me say that one more time. We have pulled our past into our present, and it is dangerously close to ruining our future. Now, before you think to yourself, wow, that must be rough. Uh, I'm glad I'm not chained to my past. Catch yourself and be open to the fact that we're all impacted by our past on some level. It may not be to the level that it affects others, but your past can affect you, even subconsciously. Here's one small example. A man finds himself in a rut, very comfortable doing the same things over and over again. He feels a a certain level of attention if he is asked to do something new, but the guy just writes it off as part of his personality. However, later he realizes that he was put down as a child and a teenager. His parents told him he wasn't good enough, that he would never amount to anything. Subconsciously, the guy chooses not to try new things because he worries that it is true and that he won't be able to do new things. Now, I know that sounds a lot like a scenario right out of a psychology textbook, right? But there is a reason you find examples like these in textbooks. It's because they are true, and they happen all the time in a variety of ways. Our past impacts us more than we want to admit. And typically, it's for one of the following reasons. One, because something bad has happened to you. Two, because someone did something bad to you. Or three, because of something bad that you did in the past. Now, let's start with the the first one and kind of walk through these because each has kind of a, a unique scenario that goes along with them. So the first one is when something bad happens to us. So this is something bad that another person really has nothing to do with. Maybe you were born with some rare disorder. It could be a natural disaster like a tornado or an earthquake that you were involved in. Uh, It could be a random accident like a tire blowing and your car running off the road. The important thing is that it had a big impact on you and it wasn't because of another person. Next, somebody did something bad to you. In this scenario, the bad thing happened to you as a direct result of another person's behavior. It could be emotional abuse, maybe it's physical violence, physical abuse, sexual abuse, Uh, maybe it was a business partner pulling the rug out from underneath of you, a spouse leaving you for someone else, a parent abandoning you, but whatever it is, you can directly tie it back to a person. And finally, some bad thing that you did in the past. So this list is a little bit different because these are things that you are actually involved in, things that you did in your past. Uh, It could have been something that impacted you. It could have been something that impacted others. But whatever it was, you can't believe you did it. You look back and you want to put your face in your hands out of embarrassment, guilt, or sadness. And that pretty much sums up our past, right? When we look back at the things that we have done or the things that we have been through, they typically fall into one of those three categories. And depending on what category they fall into is kind of the way that it affects each of us. So if it was something that happened to us, we can be very angry or fearful or anxious with really no reason and no point of reference. If it was something another person did to us, maybe we live with similar issues, but we also have a kind of a focal point, right? We have someone that we can blame for the reason we're feeling the way we're feeling. And if it's something that we did, the guilt and shame can take over and literally immobilize us. 
So the title of this section was Your Past Can Kill You, uh, which might seem a little much, but it, it isn't really. Uh, when the impact your past is having on you is invasive and consistent, it can do the following. It can kill your joy. It can kill your mood. It can kill your level of energy. It can kill your desire to do new things. It can kill your ability to connect with another person. And it can kill your ability to be social or relational. And yes, it can kill you if it gets bad enough. When your past begins to impact your present at this level, depression is a common result. And as depression deepens, people at times deal with thoughts of suicide. And in case you were wondering, suicide is a very real thing. I mean, it touches so many of us. And I'm no different. I know people who have committed suicide. I know people who have attempted suicide. And I know people who struggle with feelings of hopelessness on a regular basis, especially especially after 2020. According to the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, uh, in, in 2019, suicide ranked 10th as the leading cause of death in the United States. Roughly 1.38 million people attempted suicide. 47,511 people died of suicide. That's almost 14 people out of every 100,000. On average, this means that there are 130 suicides every day most common in middle-aged white men, and men commit suicide 3.6 times more often than women. And when it comes to location, the lowest rates of suicide are seen in New Jersey, New York, and Massachusetts, and the highest rates are seen in actually smaller states like Wyoming, Alaska, and Montana. Now, you can't make the leap that suicide is a direct result of people being impacted by their past, But it isn't hard to imagine that for many of us in this situation, our pasts would play a pretty significant role in our state of mental health. Okay, sorry for the little tangent there on suicide. It's just one of those topics that's really hard to talk about and yet really needs to be talked about because we can't keep losing people this way. We need to figure out how to intervene in people's lives when they start to feel lonely and hopeless before it gets to the level where, you know, suicide seems like the only way out. And one more thing, if you are one of those people, right, if you are a person suffering in silence, don't remain silent. Reach out to those around you and let them know how you're feeling. Ask them for help and be willing to explore options with them, whether it be medication, counseling, or even a short hospitalization, uh, if that's what it takes to remain safe. And if you have nobody in your life that you can turn to or feel like there's nobody there who will listen, there's always the Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, That's 1-800-273-8255. And I'll put a link to their website as well uh, in the show notes. So there is always someone there to listen and offer guidance uh, to help you stay safe. Number two, focus on the present. So this is a handy little mantra that sounds great when you hear it, right? But it's never easy as it sounds to put into action, of course. Uh, And that isn't the only phrase we hear. How about some of these? Be present. Be in the here and now. Now is the most important thing. Don't live in the past. Don't ruin today. Be here now. Today is the first day. Carpe diem. All of these sayings kind of have a similar message, right? Focusing on and appreciating today 
and suggesting that that's the best course of action. So let's look for a minute at the other two options we have, focusing on the past and focusing on the future. First, focusing on the past. As we've already discussed, this is dangerous because we no longer have any control over it. What's done is done, and the only thing we can control is how we respond to it in the present. What happens, uh, what tends to happen when we focus on the past is we experience unhealthy negative emotions. And I'm just going to run through kind of a list of things that, that can happen when we start allowing our past to impact us this way. The first is fear, uh, living in fear because of something that happened to us. Uh, anger, living in anger because of the things that we went through. Anxiety, always feeling this level of tension or trepidation, worrying that maybe what happened in the past might happen again. Um, next is shame, basically beating ourselves up for the bad decisions that we made in the past. Then there's stagnation, which we uh, talked a little bit about actually in our last episode. Um, if you are too caught up in the past, you can get stuck in the past, and it's very hard to grow into the present. It's hard to reach your full potential because you're not taking baby steps each and every day toward that reality. And then finally, isolation. So this is another interesting one with isolation kind of falling into two categories. First, you can stop trusting people, right? Instead, you view them as potential threats and you choose not to interact with them on a normal social level. But then there's another side to it too when it comes to isolation. You can actually be in relationships and you can act like you are social, but inside you're putting up walls that never really allow people in. Protective walls that, protective walls that are there to keep people from hurting you or finding out who you really are. Next, we have focusing on the future. So this option isn't quite as dramatic as the other one. In fact, we often view it as a positive thing, right? If you're thinking ahead, you're being proactive, you're planning, you're making sure that you're on the right path, providing for yourself and your family. And all of that is true. But of course, there's also a dark side. And the dark side is typically when you do too much of a good thing. So we're really talking about two things. First, becoming a workaholic, which is a present behavior driven by a future goal or aspiration. We want so badly to be successful or famous or to have influence that we go overboard and we sabotage our present. And next we have living inside our heads. Now, there are people who live in their heads and it has nothing to do with the future. Uh, we call them daydreamers. Uh, in fact, you can live in your head focused on what happened in the past, but I'm specifically talking about those who live in their heads focused on future ideas, dreams, plans, goals, um, basically to the detriment of their own ability to function in the present. And there you have it. There are your two options if you choose not to focus on the present. So can you easily diagnose yourself? Can you see which of the buckets that you're putting the most of your time and energy into? What if we did this? Uh, grab a sticky note and a pen or pencil. Next, write down these three words on top of each other on the sticky note. Past, present, and future. Next, try to determine a percentage of time and energy that goes into each. Place the percentages to the right of each word and make sure that the percentages add up to 
Now, once you've completed that, look at your percentages. This is obviously a quick and dirty look at how you experience life and how grounded you are in the present. For me, uh, full transparency, uh, it looks something like this. Past, maybe 15%. Present, 60%. And future, 25%. Now, I did this really fast, so it was a gut reaction thing, and the percentages obviously aren't going to be 100% accurate, um, but it does tell the right story. So I've done some hard work when it comes to the past, and that's probably why I'm able to say it's about 15%. But it's still 15% because there are days when I allow it to affect my present, uh, mainly because of things that I did in my past. Uh, For quite a few years, I allowed alcohol to run my life. And during that time, there were a few events that were both public and embarrassing, not to mention the issues it caused in my own marriage, But I've obviously done some work on that, or I wouldn't be here talking about it right now. Instead, I would be trying to hide it, right? Making sure that people didn't know that about me in order to maintain a facade of goodness and right standing. Um, That's what people do when they haven't dealt with their past. But every now and then, I'm not going to lie, I look back and I ask myself, why on earth did you do that? And then there are the things that other people have done to me. The most recent one that comes to mind is being let go from a job uh, that I had moved my entire family across the country for. And while it was just a job, it rattled me because of the callous way that it went down. Uh, It kind of challenged my beliefs about ethical business practices. It challenged my assumptions that uh, leadership in the church setting, you know, might operate with a slightly higher moral compass. And yet that didn't happen. And it forced me to admit that expertise, experience, and a solid work ethic really aren't enough. We're all expendable, especially when those in positions of leadership have ulterior motives. Again, I had to do some major work after this happened in order to get this down to the 15% I'm reporting today. And every now and then I still look back and I ask, did that actually happen? Did they actually do that to me and my family? Next up, isn't it interesting that my future I put as 25%. So I estimated this higher than my past because I feel like I spend more time on this than I do looking backward. And between the two options we discussed, being a workaholic or living inside of our heads, I would definitely say that I have a tendency to live inside my head. But I feel like I've always been that way. Um, back when I took the strengths finder, uh, test, I came back as strategic discipline, deliberative relator and responsibility. Uh, and the first three strengths are all ones that require a lot of head time in order to really think, think through things and put forth a plan to do something the right way. Um, you know, I used to have a professional blog way back in the day called web driven church, where I posted tips and insights on web strategy for the the church world. Uh, Then later I wrote the book Controversy Theory back in 2001. And now I'm writing and and podcasting for Transcend Human. All of these things require a lot of head time in order to develop the ideas and to accurately communicate them. Again, we talked about future stuff as positive until it crosses the line into obsession. And that's really where the 25% comes from. I had to give it a significant number because I do spend a lot of time there. 
And I lumped it in with the focusing on the future rather than just daydreaming in the present because most of my head time is thinking about ideas and concepts that I want to write about in the future. I also struggle when I'm not able to spend enough time on it. I can feel myself getting irritable and angry. I get depressed and lethargic if I'm not getting enough head time on a consistent basis. And I can start to feel unworthy when I'm not moving the ball down the field as fast as I think I should. And that leaves 60% for the present, which we don't really need to go into because it involves all of this tip, the typical stuff that you would do in the present. So I have my relationship with God, my relationship with my spouse, my family. I've got work. I've got the freelance projects that help make up the difference. I've got hobbies. I've got housework, troubleshooting car issues, being the IT professional in our house, listening to and being there for those around us. And the list goes on. All things that we do in the present, but only if we have the bandwidth to do them. And this is where the past and the future come back into play. If our percentages in those areas are too high, like let's say 75% combined, then we would only have 25% to give to the present, for example. And if that's the case, do you think we're going to do the present well? Or do you think some things are going to fall through the cracks? Unfortunately, the things that fall through the cracks are often the people and the relationships that should be at the top of our list. Number three, seeing the beginning from the end. I probably need to read that again so that you see that it wasn't a mistake because you typically hear people say the opposite, right? I couldn't see the end from the beginning. I couldn't see the forest from the tr- for the trees, uh, things like that. Uh, but I want to flip it in the same way that Franklin Covey did um, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, back in another life, I used to teach the principles in this book to patients in a psych hospital. Uh, Most of them were there for 5 to 14 days, and these concepts always seemed to catch their interest. And this one, habit number two, is called Begin with the End in Mind. Francisco Saez, in a blog post on this very habit, explained it this way. At its most basic form, it means always having the image of the end of your life as a frame of reference for evaluating everything else. It's about starting things off with a clear idea of what the destination is, so that the steps we take are always in the right direction. If we are going to be busy, let's do the things that matter to us. And that's exactly what I'm talking about when I say seeing the beginning from the end. It means looking into the future and creating the end result ahead of time. Fleshing out the way we want our lives to go, determining who we want to be, what we want to stand for, and how we want to be remembered. Then, once we have that vision of our future, it becomes the lens through which we see our present day. Everything we do today, everything we begin, we run through the lens of the end. It's the end that provides clarity to the things we begin each and every day. When we do this, we ensure the following. We get to choose the story we want to tell. We're preparing for the future on our own terms. We're able to roll with the punches because we see how it all plays out. And we also have a new vantage point when we look back at our past. We see our past from the end as well, and it helps us put the bad things into better perspective. Let's land the plane. What I want to do is get 
practical here. So one of the things I didn't mention earlier was this little concept called forgiveness, which is actually a massive concept, and we could spend an entire series of episodes on it. But at the end of the day, it plays a big role in helping us deal with difficult pasts, right? If we can forgive the universe or God, I guess, for the things that happened to us in the past, then we're on the right road, headed toward healing. If we can forgive the people who did bad things to us, we're on our way to freedom. Freedom from the shackles that are on us, shackles that connect us to the event or the events, to the anger, to the fear, to the grudges that we're all holding on to based on the way people treated us. And finally, if we can forgive ourselves for the things that we've done, then we're on the road to freedom from shame. We free ourselves up to dream again, to see ourselves as worthy, and we're able to give back to the world again. This week, I want you to ask yourself the following questions. One, are there things in your past that you need to deal with? Two, what were your percentages for past, present, and future? Are they looking good, or does something need to change? Number three, what can you do this week to focus more energy on the present? And finally, what is your preferred future? When you look down the road, what do you see? Or better than that, what do you want to see? What does the end look like for you? And if that's your preferred future, what can you do today to make sure that it comes true? All right, such good stuff. I know I struggle all the time to keep my focus on the here and now, to be there for my family, to enjoy the journey without always having to look back or spend too much time looking ahead, to really be there, to be present and accounted for. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. We love having you here on the journey with us. Until next time, friends, have a great week. Stay in the present, of course, and keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.